In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And here was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of men, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I shall kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Hail, Master, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, why are you here? In these reflections, I've mentioned Judas a number of times. Today, in the actual act of betrayal, he's mentioned once again Matthew, Mark, and Luke as one of the twelve. Once again, emphasizing the degree of intimacy that should have been present there and the love and friendship that should have existed. And at one time probably did, but somehow faded. St. John, in mentioning Judas in his gospel, doesn't mention the kiss. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. He mentions Judas as the betrayer, but nothing more. And he only mentions him as one of the twelve at the end of the Bread of Life discourse in chapter 6. So Judas now betrays our Lord uh, with a kiss. And the word itself would suggest more than one to emphasize the even greater horror of the betrayal. Our Lord reaches out to him one more time. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, he says, Friend, why are you here? He calls him friend. Even when we betray him, he still calls us friend, reaching out to us when we sin. In St. Mark's Gospel, he says nothing. In St. Luke's Gospel, he asks him a question. In addition, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Strange, isn't it? So very often when we leave the Lord or betray him, 
and we often preface it with some show of affection. I love the Lord, but. I love the church, but. So very often we do that without even thinking about it. Again, I love God, but I believe God is asking too much. Or I don't, I don't believe God would ask this of me. Yes, he would. So Judas does that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then, except in the Gospel of Matthew, he really fades away. He's mentioned in the Acts of Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, briefly. But in St. Matthew's Gospel, he is mentioned that Judas repented and went to the chief priests and said, I have, innocent, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. And they say, what is that to us? See to it yourselves. Judas then took the 30 pieces of silver, threw them into the temple, and went off and hanged himself. There we have a great difference, don't we? Peter repented in tears, and Judas repented. But Judas repented to himself self-pity and despair. Peter repented to the Lord and found forgiveness. It's the same thing with us. When we come to the Lord, he's always waiting to forgiveness. No matter what we've done, he is there, just waiting for that moment. It's always sad, I think, i mentioned this before too, that the one stained glass window we will never see is the repentance of Judas to the Lord. What a beautiful thing that would have been. And our Lord would have forgiven him in an instant, too, if only he'd done it. He despaired. There's always hope. Despair. We never have to despair just because of our sinfulness or for any other reason for that matter. In fact, sometimes when we, people don't, I think, go before the Blessed Sacrament because they feel so guilty and so sinful. And we all are. The Lord doesn't want us to come there feeling depressed and overwhelmed with our sinfulness. He wants us to come there as his friend so that he can show us his love. He just wants to love us. And when we go there, we should simply go there to love him. There's a time for mentioning our sins and being aware of them, obviously, and examining our conscience and asking for forgiveness. But when we are in front of him, he simply wants our love. So, uh, we then come tonight before the Lord knowing that he loves us, and we come with whatever our sins might be, uh, just to let, let him love us. I've mentioned this before, too. We're often hesitant to do that, aren't we? Just to sit and let him love us. It's very simple. So we'll do that now for a while. Your attitude must be that of Christ. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. He was known to be of human estate, and it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on the cross. Because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name above every other name, so that at Jesus' name, every name must bend in heaven and the earth and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord.